Today's show is supported by Gunpowder and Sky's new film, Hearts Beat Loud. Yes. Hearts Beat Loud stars Nick Offerman and Kiersey Clemens as a father-daughter songwriting duo. Yep, she's off to college, trying to balance her studies, her budding romance with Rose, and the success of the song that she has written with her dad. Hearts Beat Loud, co-starring Ted Danson, Sasha Lane, Blythe Danner, and Tony Collette, now playing in select theaters. Spontanea Nation, Matt McConkie. Mm. I love this show. What a great show. What a great crew. What oh, a great name. I'm telling you, Paul F. Tompkins, improv, so many of my favorite things together. And in honor of Pride Month, Paul F. Tompkins has all LGBTQ guests and improvisers. Mm-hmm. We're talking about earwolf friends like Cameron Esposito, uh-huh. the first guest that we ever had on Homophilia. Uh-huh. And Rhea Butcher, Rhea who Butcher. we hope to get sometime. That's right. Uh, also, uh, Stephanie Beatrice from uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Drew Tarver. Yep. Dream. Earwolf fave. Hopefully uh. fu- future guest. Mm-hmm. Subscribe to Spontanea Nation now. You can hear it every Monday wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, Matt. Dave Holmes, Dave Holmes, Dave Holmes. How are you, Matt? I am really good. Uh, I am still basking in the afterglow that is Nanette. What a great special. I texted you last night to say, have you seen this? We must talk about it on the show. Uh And I think we were watching it at the same time. Yeah, we must have been. Fantastic. Yeah. Tell me about your, your viewing experience. Uh, my viewing experience, uh, it seemed to burn very brightly on uh, on social media. I am off Twitter for the time being. Oh, yes. I've stolen glances at, at Twitter. I've, I've stolen glances at Twitter. I have to be totally honest. I have, this week, I have weakened and I have stolen glances at Twitter. And I have felt the, I have felt the, the familiar slackening of the jaw. Yeah. And I don't like it. And then I'm back off. And wh- but how, people were talking about it then. Of course. And uh, sorry, do you just remind me, how long is this? Is this a, uh, how long is a self-imposed I break? I was aiming for a month, uh, ending oh, on July 4th. Great. But really, it should be like all-time permanent because it is terrible. And, and I feel my blood pressure skyrocket. But even on Instagram, which is generally much nicer, people yep. have been raving about it. Um, people have been uh, texting me and saying, have you seen it yet? You're not the only one. And so I finally – so last night we had a free night and we're like, all right, let's put it on and watch it. And it's cathartic and it's beautiful and it's funny. And it's it's so surprising. It really is. It's so much more than a comedy special mm-hmm. and I don't want to you know ruin it for people. You should definitely check it out. But I, did is. you know Hannah Gatsby before? I'm, I did not. I'm ashamed to say I did not either. I did not at all. And yeah, I feel bad about that. But uh, whatever, we'll fix it now. Now that she is allegedly uh, quitting comedy, right? Now that I'm aware of her, and she's gone. Yeah, I think we might cross her path in oh, right. Montreal. Fingers crossed. So we're keeping our fingers crossed for that one. Yes. Uh, but yes, highly, highly, highly recommended. It. it is on Netflix, and it's great. Also on Netflix, uh, unrelated, although they are both comedy specials starring queer women who both have very funny bits about being mistaken for men, uh-huh. is Tig Nataro's new special. I have not seen it yet. It's so, so funny. And she tells a story about um, – she does a very, very long bit about playing with her cat. Just playing like, like uh, you know, what was it when you – like you, you dangle something in a cat. Is there a name for that game? It's playing with a cat. Playing with a cat, yeah. I guess. That's the only way you really play with a cat. Yeah. It is the hardest I've laughed in a long time. It's yeah. so, so fucking great. It's on so the list. Check that out too. It's on the list. But if you if you like catharsis with your comedy, 
go to Nanette. And she makes such a good point about our – I mean hers. Mm -hmm. She doesn't universalize it, but it is a universal thing that we do tend to make ourselves the butt of jokes. We do tend to diminish our own experiences. We do tend to like mine our lives for comedy, which is important, but you must also take yourself seriously. That's the thing that landed with me the most was how she was like, I'm not going to be self-deprecating anymore. Yeah. Because I do that. That is my go-to. And you never let me get away with it. Well. You know? Yeah. And I I, I appreciate. Yeah. But But it's a reflex. And it's one that you must overcome. You are good. I'm going to try. I don't know. Am I good? I'm kind of a piece of shit. Matt, you're good. Ah. Listener, you're good. Dana, you're good. good. We're all good. (laughs) Faye, you're good. Faye, you're good. Um... Uh, now I'm going to uh, show you why I'm not good. Uh, I uh, have Bachelor News. Oh, yes. That is explosive. Tell me. All right. So Grocer Joe, right? Oh, Guy yep. who got kicked off in episode one of this season of yeah. Bachelorette. Okay. I immediately started following him on uh, on Instagram, as did tens of thousands of people. Yeah. Because he's incredibly charming and handsome. He posted a whole bunch. Then he posted a thing of him going uh, sh- swimming trunk shopping. And then there was nothing else for a long time. I have it from Elon, um, not Elon Musk. Musk. No, <laughs> There's Elon Gale, one of the uh, one of the producers uh-huh. of uh, of Bachelor well, of the all of the Bachelor shows. Okay, everything under the Bachelor umbrella. He'll be in paradise this season. Ooh. That is uh, premiering in August. Joe in paradise. Wow. Yep. Grocer Joe, boozed up, sunburnt, in a pool. Grocer Joe is going to get gross. Yes, he is. And I am here for it. So was he, fucking he was shopping for uh, swimming trunks for good reason. For good reason. He's going to need them. That's exactly right. I had a hunch, and it is officially confirmed. I'm so – I'm happy for you. Oh, I'm happy for Joe. I'm happy, I'm for, happy for, for Grocer Joe Nation. Yeah, me too. Uh, what are you doing for our, our nation's birthday, Matt McConkie? My mom's coming to visit with my nephew, uh-huh. and uh, we're just going to kind of hang at the house, and um, I don't know. We might go to Disneyland. I've okay. never been. All right. Have you? I have. Do I have to go? I mean, it's something to be seen. How old's your uh, nephew? It's tough that I don't know the answer to that. I yeah. want to say nine. Okay. He might be seven. He might be 11. Oh, well, then but you got to go to Disneyland. I think he's the right age to go to Disneyland. you got to go to Disneyland. Are you a roller coaster person? Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, then, yes, absolutely. Get yourself the dual park pass. Go to California Adventure. Can you do that all in one day? Um, You can do the big stuff in one day. You can right. do the big stuff in one day. God, it sounds exhausting. Yeah, it is. I just got movie pass, so I might spend a whole lot of uh, of the weekend in the uh, in the movies, by the pool or in the movies. You know what you've got to see is the Mr. Rogers documentary. Yes, I know. Saw it uh, over the weekend uh-huh. and another good cathartic cry. Great. There is a a quick moment. Literally, Michael went to the bathroom and came back and was like, what did I miss? And I'm like, "Um, Mr. Rogers was homophobic, but like not in a bad way. It's fine. Anyway, Uh let's go back. Okay. Okay. So there is like one moment where they acknowledge that the the guy who played the – I think his character was like the the policeman of the neighborhood. Uh And he was the black actor Uh uh, and uh, he was gay. Anyway – Mr. Rogers was kind of homophobic and forced him to stay in the closet. But other than that, he was a saint. It was okay. Like they sort of like brushed it under the rug well, really quickly. And like, but time. he was all about love and acceptance and still sure. like great and he's perfect. Sure, sure, sure. I'm uh, to forgive it. What you must not do at the movies is see Gotti. 
Oh my god! Uh, yes. I I saw it. I wrote about it. It was good to get those feelings out. Uh, one thing I will say in this venue, which I did not get into in uh, in Esquire, is Junior the kid who plays Junior Gotti. Uh-huh. And I say kid; he's well into his twenties. Is gorgeous. Ooh. So that is perhaps a reason to watch it on cable, like DVR it and fast forward through it and just to get to the scenes. Problematic, gangster hair, but beautiful. Just lovely. Yeah. I'm sure Travolta loved the shit out of him. Oh, I don't doubt that for one second. I don't doubt it for one second. Uh, it, is, it is bad, and often when I write reviews of bad things, people will say like, oh, it sounds great. I have to see it. No, you do not. Yeah. It's no, a bummer when it's not so bad it's good. It's just bad, it's bad, bad. just the kind of bad that sucks the life out of you. Yeah. And I mind it for humor because that is my job, but that does not mean it's funny. Well, no. you, thank you for your service. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. So – very exciting show today. I am delighted. Because uh, we are watching and loving Pose, of course. Uh-huh. And we have the creator and executive producer of Pose here with us. So exciting. Stephen Canals in the studio after this. BRB. We are back with the creator of a little show called Pose. Mm-hmm. Stephen Canals just finished signing the Earwolf table where he wrote Strike a Pose Appropriately. Please welcome Stephen Canals. Stephen. Thank you for having me. How are you? Are you just out of production right now? Or you've been out for a while? No, we ended production on Tuesday. Oh, oh wow. Welcome back yeah. to planet Earth. Thank you. How, how has it been? I'm actually a replicant. This is not a hero <laughs> person in front of you. Um, it was great. I mean, it was it was the most magical experience. I loved making this show. Yeah. Um, I'm really tired. Uh, sure. <laughs> you look fresh as a daisy. You really do. Tinted yeah. moisturizer. Great. <laughs> um, which was introduced to me by Janet Mock. So thank you. Nice. Um, go out and get your Laura Mercier at Sephora. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm catching up on sleep. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I mean, I want to talk so much more about Pose, but um, – what about uh, outside of your own show? What other stuff do you watch and love? And now that you're like returning to life, what are you excited to like binge and catch up on? Hmm. I'm a perpetual rewatcher. Oh yeah. Oh, really? So I love to dive back into something I've already seen. I cannot tell you the number of times that I've watched episodes of Shit Cre- Shit's Creek over yeah, oh, and wow. over and over again. Nice. One of my favorite shows ever. I think that entire cast is genius. Um, how they haven't been nominated for a million Emmys, I'll never yeah. know. But I I just I love it so much. And I think that relationship between David and Alexis, mm-hmm. played by Dan Levy and um, Annie Murphy, is just yeah. it's wonderful. I, just, I love the whole cast. So I think they're great. So I love that. Um, I'm slowly... Working my way through episodes of the second season of Queer Eye. Okay. Oh, okay. I, I binge watched the first one sure. in like, you know, a yeah. day. And then I was like, well, that happened. So now I'm, you know, trying to slowly get my way through that, uh, that second season. Uh-huh. Um, we, had, we had Karamo on the show and mm-hmm. he was full emoji hard eyes, hard eyes for Matt, Dave Holmes. Matt, oh, Dave Matt, objects and he doesn't want Dave to Dave is a sexy beast. Oh, so I get you. it. That's, I get that's it. very kind. That's I should tell kind. people, by the way, Stephen came in here with a copy, a well-worn copy of Party of One asking for an autograph. Hard Already yeah. my, uh, my favorite guest. You actually didn't <laughs> ask for an autograph. I just did it. Oh, I just no, no, did no. it. No, that's why I brought it. Okay, good. Yeah, good, no. you're good. I was like, as I was doing it, I was like, I don't, I hope that he wants that, that because that's it's exactly what I wanted. That's okay, why good. I brought it. Good, yeah. good, good. Thank you. Thank of you course. for having it. 
Uh, all right. So, Queer Eye. Season two. Season two. I understand it's a tearjerker. Um, I bawled on the first episode. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, they they go to this small town and they are working on a community center for yeah. a church. And it's this woman whose son is gay and he feels like the church rejected him. And she's been trying to get him to come back to the congregation. I was a mess at the end of that episode. It was a mess. And it's interesting because I have an emotional wall, uh-huh. um, <laughs> according to my therapist. And Great. so I, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not one that cries easily, but that episode got me. Yeah. Yeah, it was beautiful. What else has made you cry? Recently? Yeah, just in general. Mm. Well, Pose makes me cry. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm being honest, um, for a, a multitude of reasons. Yeah, of course. Um, I, yeah, I'm trying to avoid the tears these days. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you trying to live in the light a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. I mean, it right now I think I'm in a place where I'm just, I'm very emotional because the show's out and this story is centering people who often aren't centered in film and television. And the amount of love that has come from the show has been abundant. Mm-hmm. Um, no pun intended. And so mm-hmm. it's just been, it's been really remarkable. The, messages that I received from mom. I just got a message the other day on Instagram from mom who said that her son, he'd come out and then he started doing drag and they just, they were always really close, but I think he was feeling uncomfortable with his identity. Mm -hmm. And so they were disconnected for a really long time. And as a result of watching the show together, it brought them back together and they're able to have conversation in a way that they haven't for a really long time. And so those types of messages, they're coming through at a rapid rate, and, and um, it's hard not to just feel it. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's tough. Yeah, episode two made me, like, bawl audibly, mm. like, make noises that frighten my dog. <laughs> For real. <laughs> so, yeah. And this at. week's episode, the, the, I, we just watched the Christmas episode last ah, night. night. And it's a doozy. Yeah, that one will get you. Oh. All the Christmas feels. I didn't know how much I needed Christmas feels in the middle of June, but I felt it. Can I tell you, when we were working on the constructing the first season, we wanted it to all take place over the course of a summer. Oh, yeah. And then our production began. We started shooting the pilot November of 2017. And so we were like, well, there's no way we can fake the summer yeah. in mm-hmm. the middle of you know what's soon becoming rapid winter. And so we were like, well... Guess we'll have to change that. And so I, there was something that we talked about a lot, which is Ryan loving the idea that we would have this Christmas episode in the middle of the summer. Mm-hmm. Well, that's so odd, but, you know, it works. You know, people are excited now for it the holiday season. It actually perfectly it's lines great. up with Housewives of New York. Their seasons are – it's yes. Christmas there as well. Oh, so, it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So are you a Housewives person? I surely am. <laughs> I just get so mad at me that this is all I talk about, but I'm no, so glad I'm in a safe space. We, you, yes, absolutely. No judgment here. Um, I Well, I love all, to go back to your question, I love all reality television, uh-huh. particularly reality competition shows. Like, I'm dying to be on Top Chef. Okay. Um, not as a chef, but as a judge. Sure. <laughs> um, my unrefined palate. Like, mm, I don't know. It's a little salty. But I, I'm dying to be on that show. But anyway... Um, no, I love Real Housewives. When you were talking to Justin Simeon, oh yeah, it, that for me was so affirming mm-hmm. <laughs> because I always tell people I love Real Housewives of fill in the blank. Yeah. Like I'm loving Potomac at the moment, yeah. and um, often I get blank stares. Like really, you love 
huh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. But for me, I think, and he articulated in a way that I hadn't heard anyone ever say it before, which is when you're working and you're creating story, like you really want to just go in and shut your brain off. Yeah. And there's something about just going on a journey with these women that yeah. I thoroughly enjoy. It's just a breeze. It's fantastic. Yeah. Who's your favorite in New York? I I am I'm very sort of at sea and disoriented now because I've been real ride or die Carol for a long time and now mm. I've turned on her a little bit. So mm. I don't know. I I mean I love it's Sonia. the blonde dude, isn't it? <laughs> I, I, it's all of and the way that she's behaving and it's like I get it. You ran a fucking marathon and the goddamn headphones always around her neck and yeah. all, just all of it is. I mean, so you, I, you know, honestly, you've seemed unmoored. Yeah, that's what you don't it, have it a is. favorite right now, and yeah, and it, you feel a little rudderless to yeah. me at the moment. Hmm. I mean, who is that for you? Um, I ride hard for Bethany Frankel. Wow, yeah, she's having a great, great. I mean, especially with like all the work she's done for Puerto Rico and everything. Like she's. She's she's in a. Great I mean, even moment. before that, like yeah. I actually dropped off of Housewives of New York when she left. I was like, well, I don't know that I'm that interested mm-hmm. in everyone else who's there. And then when she came back, I was like, all right, I'm in. I'm invested. Yeah, yeah. I like complicated, strong, funny women. Yeah. And so she checks all the boxes. I love her. She's great. She's the powerhouse. I'm thinking of getting back into New Jersey. Oh, that's a great one. Yeah, I yeah, mean, it's, it's tragic. But here's the thing. I thought of a drag name, and and it's it would have to be a a real house, like a Jersey housewife mm. kind of a character. So I want to watch and and then see if I get inspired for, what for is a the drag name. Pepsi Canacola. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Pepsi Canacola. Yeah, yeah, that's that's good. Thanks. <laughs> it's it's almost enough to get me to a watch the housewives and b do drag. Your but, other drag name suggested by a brilliant mm-hmm. uh, listener was. Sous vide, sous vide, sous vide. Yeah. Oh, we have a we have a sponsor that's a sous vide machine that I own I and like love. That. It's Jewel. They may not be a sponsor right now, but I'm going <laughs> to shout it from the rooftops anyway. Uh, okay, um, so Jersey, are you in Jersey? I enjoy Jersey. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, what I like about the Jersey cast is that, at least in the beginning, they were so enmeshed in each other's lives because they're family, mm-hmm. um, whether blood or chosen, and that I really loved. And so I think. As opposed to the other cities, that's the one where the stakes were the highest. Yeah. Because you felt like, oh, if they get into a fight, you know, the ripple effects of that. And the other true. cities, they're just friends. And so if they don't – if they stop talking, it's like, eh, okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? But here it's like they really are family and they've known each other for 15, 20 plus years. And so you feel it more. Am I to understand that uh, Teresa is now a bodybuildress? Oh, Have you yes. seen that? Is that oh, real yeah, or is that yeah. photoshopped? No, it's very real. Have you seen these pictures? I haven't seen the photos. I heard about it. Okay. It's What's going incredible. on there? Incredible. She's got a, she's got an eight pack. Yeah. Hmm. And she's j- just like bright orange and <laughs> smile looks the happiest I've ever seen her. Yeah. Although as I don't know if you heard Juicy Joe is um yeah, there's all this issue around maybe he might be deported. He, it's happening. Ice oh, it's happening. Got at the at the estate. Yes, really. Yeah. Why? Because uh, I think that he came here undocumented as a child, and so it's always been a looming possibility. But then he got in all this trouble for sure. I don't know tax evasion or yeah. something. It's a real bummer. Wow. Hmm. But Teresa is a survivor. She is. We all know she will she'll rise find a way. from the ashes she's of this. Writing another cookbook right now. Fantastic, <laughs> and she'll and she'll lift a, a a truck or whatever. She really is like 
Oh, yeah. Just dense. A brick shithouse. Yeah. Did I say For that right? Mm-hmm. I think so, shit yeah. brick house? A shit brick house. Uh, what did you grow up watching? I was an odd kid. So I grew up in the 80s and... You know, like, I loved all the things that kids in the 80s loved. Like, I loved Transformers and yeah. Thundercats and Ninja Turtles. And um, I think, like, most queer kids, I loved Flashdance. Sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. Watched it more times than I can count. But I also, like, a bit of an odd bird in that I really loved adult cinema. So, and I think, and I'm sure my therapist would say it's because of the emotional wall. Mm-hmm. Um, I, loved, I loved catharsis, and I was always looking for that. Mm-hmm. So... The Color Purple was oh, one that I, sure. you know, I, I was always wanting to go back into that world and, and have that moment of just release at the end. Yeah. Um, uh, what else? Loved Ordinary People. Oh, God, yeah. Um, we are on parallel tracks here. Kramer versus Kramer. Sure. Wow. You know, like, I, I, I'm, and this is like a good, like, full body heaving yeah, film. Truly. Wow. <laughs> yeah. On Golden at eight Pond. and nine. Yeah, yeah. No, that wasn't one for me. Okay. You might want to go back to it. Okay. Excellent. <laughs> I will. It's good I shit. I love uh, Miss Jane. Sure. Who doesn't? So um, what, was the, uh, what was the inspiration for Pose? How did it come to be? Well, a couple things. I think one – well, the first inspiration obviously was Flashdance, which I think you yep. can see if you watch the pilot. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. like Damon's dancing in the end through and through. It's just it's like a, a full lift. <laughs> um, so that's where it started. I mean, I I studied film at Binghamton University. Um, at the time, I thought I was going to be the next great American filmmaker. I was like, oh, I want to be Steven Spielberg. We have the same name, you know. And then Steven yeah. Soderbergh had Sex Lies and Videotape, and I'm like, see, here it is. Yeah. You know, a Steven next wrote Steven. Schindler's List, yeah. Steven's Aliens. I'm like, I'm on track. Here mm-hmm. we go. I've got the name. Um, and then I went. I studied cinema at Binghamton, and. Um, you know, I kind of fell out of love with with filmmaking. Um, always loved story, but all that to say that while I was at Binghamton, I had a professor who introduced me to the balls uh-huh. um, and Jenny Livingston's documentary "Paris Is Burning." Um, and what I was so moved by after seeing that doc and, and discovering this world was that all these black and brown queer and trans people were living just around the corner from, and performing just around the corner from where my parents grew up. My parents grew up in Harlem in the 60s and 70s. And so I thought, how did I never know about this world and this community? Um, And growing up, you know, to go back to your question about what I watched as a kid, you know, I, you know, I loved all like Cheers and I loved, I know this is probably unpopular now, but like I loved the Cosby show and Mm -hmm. a different world. You can't deny it. Those were great shows. They were great shows and they were family shows and like the whole TGIF lineup. But I really, I didn't grow up seeing any representation of people who looked and sounded like me, right? I think the closest thing I had was the Jeffersons, you know, like Mm -hmm. they were living in a, you know, this apartment up in the sky, quote unquote. And that was about it. Like there was no one living in the projects. There was no one really dealing with you know, the 80s was a bleak time for New York and, and not to bring the, <laughs> the energy down. But, you know, like we were dealing with the crack epidemic and HIV AIDS and that just there were no shows that were capturing those moments, at yeah. least not any that I saw as a kid. And so, you know, for me, I thought, oh, well, there's a real there's a need to try and capture that moment. And so I remember as an undergrad walking back to my residence hall room thinking, that would make a really great show one day, you know, a show about some young man who moves to New York and wants to be a dancer and gets enmeshed in the ball culture. Mm-hmm. 
And it just sort of, that's all it was. It was just a kernel of an idea. And then I graduated from college. I fell into higher education. So I was working as a college administrator for almost eight years. Oh, wow. And it wasn't until after, you know, talking to hundreds of thousands of students about how to live their best lives and then turning 30 that I realized, oh, I'm not really walking the walk. Yeah. Like, I'm not taking my own advice. And so I thought, okay, well, I need to recommit to my art. And so I started writing. And I really just did it as a pastime, like, oh, you know, it'll just be something for me. But I loved how it made me feel. And I always equate it to that moment in Minority Report when uh, Tom Cruise is, like, putting all the memories together. Yeah. And suddenly, like, everything just makes sense. And that's what the, the very first time I started writing a script, that's what it felt like for me. I was like, oh, shit, like, everything makes sense. And so at that point, I thought, well, I've already committed almost a decade of my life to working in ed, and I have a master's in, in it, but... I'm just, I'm not feeling fulfilled and happy. And so on a lark, I just sort of applied to UCLA's MFA program thinking I'll never get in. And I did. Oh, and so wow. I moved to LA in 2012 and yeah. it's just been a crazy ride since then. Here we wow. are. But Pose, I think came out of, you know, to, to answer your question, it came out of a need um, to have people be seen and heard. And also just a way to say thank you to this incredible community that inspired me. You know, when I watched Paris is Burning for the first time, I was not out yet. Um, and I remember thinking at the time, if all of these individuals can walk in the face of poverty and disease, um, you know, and be their full whole selves, then I have no reason to do the same. Yeah. So they really, they inspired me to just live authentically. Mm -hmm. I imagine that, like you and the writers and the cast like um, have, have, have sort of um, enmeshed yourselves in whatever the contemporary ball culture looks like, whatever it is, does it, does it the exist? Contemporary and also the legends it? and the icons, yeah. you know, because they're all, if you watch Pose, any of the ballroom scenes, the, the panel of judges, mm -hmm. those are all icons and legends from that. the ballroom community. And three of our judges who also serve as consultants for the show Freddie Pendavis, um, grandfather Hector Extravaganza, mm -hmm. um, and Dr. Sol Williams, they're all in Paris is Burning. So they're in the dock, and they're also now on the show. I didn't Where know is Freddie in the show? Or is he? He's on the judging panel. Okay. All yeah. right. I'm going to have to look close. Is there – okay. Did I spot that in Paris is Burning, there is uh, a, a guy in – like in a pantsuit or maybe just, you know, whatever. But it's like black and yellow. And he's like a little heavy and he does kind of this thing and poses on the stairway. Do you know who I'm talking about? That I could have sworn I saw in a group dance scene. I, I know I need to be more specific about this question. No, <laughs> but gears are turning. I, I would yeah. have to see a photo. Yeah. He, he may have been. I mean, okay. it, like I said, it, all of those ballroom scenes, those are not just background actors. Like yeah. those are folks who are from the ballroom community. Yeah. You know? So. Yeah. Wow, that's um, yeah. What about? I'm sure people ask you about this all the time. The um, the infamous uh, the he was a young boy that was interviewed outside of one of the balls. There were two of them, yeah. Mm -hmm. And people and there are all there's all this sort of folklore about who he. It, have you have gone down this rabbit hole or? I haven't. It's not recently, but there's a whole Reddit thread, yeah, that you can find online, and it has all the information about the two. Those two men are still alive. And so you you haven't made contact with them for the show, or, or not yet, anyway. No. Okay. Uh, what would your category be? Oh yeah. Oh, that's a great question. 
I think the other day I said, <laughs> I think I said runway. Uh-huh. Twiggy Pucci Garcon, who is one of our consultants, and he has a wonderful documentary that he produced called Kiki, uh-huh. which if you haven't seen it, it was produced just a couple years ago, about two years ago. Um, and it's all about the Kiki scene, which is which comes out of the ballroom culture, and it's wonderful. Um, but he, he works very closely with our cast on runway. And so uh-huh. I think that's what it would be. He's okay. got me a couple well, of fun. moves on how to walk and strut. And, uh-huh. Yeah, it's great. What about the um, the doc about I have not seen it, but um, about all of the guys who were Madonna's dancers from Triple oh, yeah. Air who kind of came from ballroom. So Jose Extravaganza, who is who was one of her dancers and is in that doc, is also a consultant on our show. Oh, cool. and he is also on the judging panel. Oh, so great. if you watch a couple episodes, you'll see him up there as well. Oh, that's awesome. And they all so all of the folks we're talking about right now, they all have spoiler alert. Um, they all have dialogue in the finale oh awesome they'll actually have like a little scene which is really fun i can't wait so check that out freddie was my favorite he's great yeah let me tell you something freddie Mm -hmm. is the spiciest yeah he will read you the filth in a millisecond Hmm. like the first time i met i met him i think i had this jean jacket on and he was like, girl, what are you wearing? And he just <laughs> read me top to bottom. And I was like, okay. I'm like, well, we're in production and we're shooting a show. <laughs> I'm wearing <laughs> a jean jacket too. Should I not be? I think he was just surprised. He was like, really? This is what you're wearing? Like you're here shooting a show. And I'm like, exactly. I'm tired yeah. and we're working. <laughs> yeah. No, he's great though. What he's so honor. funny. What an honor to be read. To by be read by Freddie Pendavis. Hi. Hello. Yeah. It's a moment. I wonder if it feels a little bit like, because you are you do have this show that is the 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 primary platform for all these people who as you said are not normally at the center of a story and um that if you feel if there's a bit of a burden of like cuz i found myself as a fan watching going like why isn't this person on why isn't this person on the show you know it's mm. almost like every every like trans person of color the, you can't cast them all on the show obviously but does it feel a bit like fuck, I'm just doing what I can do, you know? I'm one show, yeah. I'm one person. Yeah, I mean, I, yes. Well, when we met with the cast, we were going through the casting process, um, and we have the most amazing casting director, yeah. and Alexa Fogel, who she is the casting director, or was a casting director for The Wire, and more recently Ozark, and, you know, she worked on Oz. She's fantastic. Yeah. Um, but there was such an abundance of, I guess that's the word of the day because I keep using it. But there's such an abundance of um, of talent out there, and we origi- we had a pilot that was already set and ready to go. And then through the process of casting and meeting all these incredible women, we actually went back and we added additional characters. Oh, so we wow. created additional characters so that we could hire more cast um, and more more ladies to be on the show because there was so just megawatt talented and we're like oh we can't let them go like we have to have them on the show i think to your point though what saddens me particularly as a as a queer person of color knowing that we don't see enough of these narratives being told is it's obvious that more stories have to be written and produced you know and given attention and it's just not happening and so i understand the frustration for the need for folks who are thinking well I would love to be on that show and yeah. us just saying, well, right now we just, we don't have, I mean, we're such a big ensemble already. We can't yeah. accommodate everyone. Um, but to me, it just speaks to a greater issue, which is clearly we just need more content. 
And this show is so beloved that hopefully it does open the doors to, you know, just more. I hope so because, you know, I think I always say this when I get on my soapbox that marginalized communities were not a monolith, right? And so if we can have five shows that center law enforcement and 500 that center lawyers and, you know, 300 that center doctors, like I think we can stand to have a couple more so- shows that center the LGBTQ experience. Yes. Right. You know? Yes. Um, on that note, let's take a break. Let's take a quick break. BRB. Well, Matt, it's easier to keep the hair you have than to replace the hair you've lost. That's my favorite of all the Dave Holmesisms. I know. You always right? say that. Yeah. And with very... that head of hair, people mm-hmm. listen. That's absolutely right. They also listen to forhims.com as they should. It's a one stop shop for hair loss, skin care, sexual wellness for men. They've got medical grade solutions. So these are real doctors and they have well known generic equivalents to the name brand prescriptions that can help you keep your hair. So forhims.com offers men easier more affordable access to the prescriptions and products and medical advice that men need. Well, surely you're talking about herbal supplements. Uh, God, no. I'm talking what? about prescription solutions backed by science. Well, you probably have to sit in a waiting room forever. Fuck no. Really? Fuck a waiting room and fuck those awkward doctor visits. You can save hours by going to forhims.com, answering just a few quick questions, and then a doctor reviews and prescribes you and uh, sends you everything you need directly to your door. What a deal. Plus, our listeners get a trial month of everything you need to keep your hair for just five bucks today, right now, while supplies last. See website for full details. Mm-hmm. If you went to the doctor or a pharmacy, it would cost you hundreds of dollars. Don't do you that. Earned at your job. Yes. Which you hate. <laughs> yes. Forget all that. <laughs> Go to forhims.com slash homo. F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash H-O-M-O. Forhims.com slash homo. Well, it's Pride Month. It's Pride Month, and it is very, very gay up in Earwolf. It really is. Yes. It really is. It's, it's usually just gay enough. Right now, it's verging on too gay, but that's a good feeling. That is a great feeling, and uh, a big part of that has to do with Jonathan Van Ness, who we all know from Queer Eye, mm-hmm. uh, and he has a podcast here at Earwolf called Getting Curious. Oh, it's so great. Uh, he is – it is a pure distillation of everything that makes John Van Ness an incredibly interesting person to talk to. He's very curious about everything. Mm-hmm. He likes to ask questions. He just likes to know what's going on, and uh, in Getting Curious, he explores anything and everything under the sun. Has Dave Holmes been a guest on this show by Why, any chance? Why, I certainly have. What was he curious about? Uh, about my time at MTV. And oh. I don't know how much I really talked about it. But it was still a fun conversation. Great. Listen, he's awesome. Join him for his journey as he talks to experts in their fields and has in-depth, eye-opening conversations about topics like saving bees with a biology professor or learning how to do triple axles with Mariah Nagasu. And you can get to know a different side of Jonathan's Queer Eye co-stars with special episodes of Getting Curious that feature Anthony Porowski and Karamo Brown. Karamo, also known as one of the guests of Homophilia who has a crush on Dave Holmes. Everybody needs to cool it with that. Anyway, celebrate Pride Month with Earwolf and subscribe to Getting Curious now on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or wherever you listen. Hey, we're back. Welcome with Stephen Canals. Hello, hello. <laughs> um, so let's get into the personal. 
Side. Yeah, do it. Let's dive in. Let's, Steve Let's talk about that As emotional wall. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> therapist has warned us about. Uh huh. <laughs> mm-hmm. What is your uh, What is your relationship status at the moment? I am in a relationship. Uh-huh. I'm taken. Uh huh. I'm booed up. <laughs> For how long? Cuffing season. Um, it has been almost two and a half years. Oh wow! Wow. Yeah, and we just moved in together about a year ago. Okay. Yeah. How'd you meet? So we're serious. On Tinder. Uh-huh. That's a great story. Okay, let's hear it. I'm going to shame him publicly now. Great. Um, so I, when I moved to LA, God, like now I'm just feeling like, let's just be open and honest. Yeah, so when I moved great. to LA, because I had been living in, you know, like central New York for 12 years and, you know, there's just not, not a lot of options to be frank. Um, and so then I moved to this major city and I'm like, this is great. And so I put on the clear heels was like, I'm just going to go on a stroll. And so I was living my best life. Um, and I was like, listen, I went on a thousand first dates. I was, it was fantastic. Um, and then finally, you know, like that gets old. And I was like, well, I think I really need to commit. Let's really settle down. So I, <laughs> committing for me was let's add Tinder on my phone. <laughs> so I had Tinder and this was in 2014. And um, don't think I'm a little bit of a cuckoo bird, but I had this habit of screen grabbing profiles that I liked. And I think part of it is like, if you're using it at like a voracious rate in the way that I was, you'll just forget people. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, that, that seems like an interesting person. Click. And then I'll save it. So anyway, cut to like end of 2014. I've got like 80, you know, screen grabbed Tinder profile photos. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, the CIA has to be tracking me. Like the FBI is like, what is up with this guy? <laughs> and so I'm like, let me just delete all of them. So I delete all of them. And then I delete the app because I'm like, you know what? Like love is whatever. And mm-hmm. I'm just going to commit to my to my art. And so dove back into writing. Cut to end of 2015, going to 2016. I'm like, you know what? I, I think I want to, I've taken a year sabbatical. I want to dive back in and recommit to dating. And so I reinstall the Tinder profile. Very first person that I connect with is Hans, my partner. Um, and it isn't by chance that that's the first time on a profile that I was honest. So as opposed to giving people what I thought they wanted, mm-hmm. um, I was just like, look, I'm neurotic. I'm from New York. I'm type A. Sometimes I'm loud. Like, just know all that about me mm-hmm. up front. And he responded and was like, I love a, a neurotic New Yorker. And so we went on a date, and we've been together ever since. Cut to, we went to Tenants of the Trees ah, on Hyperion. Come on. Yeah, nice. which is fun. Um, but we've been dating ever since. Like, we just, you know, hardcore, dove in very deep, very fast. And... About eight months into our relationship, I'm on my computer, I'm scrolling through old photos, and I see that I have one screen grab Tinder profile from 2014 that I never deleted. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And the one profile that I never deleted from 2014 is his. Wow. Yeah. What was it about his? I don't know. I I mean, he's cute, and I'm, I've always, I'm a neck up kind of guy, so uh-huh. I was like, oh, he's, really, he's pretty. I want to know him. Yeah, and what's really so it was super vapid? There was no, <laughs> there was nothing else in that profile other than his face, and I was like, he's cute. I Great, like that. <laughs> that's what it's all about. Um, and so, if you're the neurotic New Yorker, what is he? He is the artist activist. Nice. He's great. He he's a visual artist, and he's just wonderful. He's I think he's like the opposite of me. He's much more measured, and he's. He's quiet. <laughs> he's very thoughtful. Not to say that I'm not thoughtful, but he's very thoughtful. And um, we have, we're just like a great balance. I think that our second date, we talked a lot about wanting a partner who not only supports you, but challenges you. Mm-hmm. 
And I think that we definitely, we do that for one another, which I appreciate. I think in the past, my, I, always re, I always saw myself dating men who were perfectly okay with me being type A and sort of just steamrolling. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why a lot of those relationships didn't work because yeah. I was like, I don't like this. Like, this is not fun. Like, have an opinion, you know, like fight me back on something. And that just never happened. And he is a complete opposite. So it's great. Yeah, when you're super type A, there is something so nice about someone else. You're just like, you take the wheel for a goddamn second. I'm yeah. so mm-hmm. tired, you know? Yeah, truly. It's a, it's a, it's really attractive when you're like, oh, oh, you can, like, take the lead for a minute? Great. Yeah. Thank you. Well, and especially, you know, in your everyday life, like on a show, when you're a creator of a show, like, you're making decisions all day, every day. Yeah. And so it may... I don't know if this will resonate with other people, but, you know, when you're home, sometimes you don't really want to have to put a lot of thought into what are we going to have for dinner? Like, it's nice to just come home and he's like, here's where we're going or I made. And I'm like, thank you. Yeah, (laughs) it's great. You know, just don't have to think about it. Yeah. So the first time you saw Paris is Burning, you were not out. No. So what is what is that movie to a to a young kid who hasn't figured himself out yet? Was it exciting? Was it scary? Well, I think it made me feel seen and heard. Uh-huh. You know, it just it just validated the experience that I was having. Right. You know, and it made me feel like, oh, there is a community for me because I think that there was definitely a time where I think if you watch the pilot of Pose, I think the best way to articulate this is, you know, when I wrote But when I came up with that idea of Damon coming out to his family and then being rejected and moving to New York, that that storyline came to me at that time in 2004 when I wasn't out. And I imagined that's what would happen to me. I'm fortunate that it didn't, that my parents were very supportive. But I was horrified of coming out. And I thought, you know, if I if I do, I'm going to be rejected. You know, I'm going to lose my family. And what Paris is burning told me was even if that happens like you will find your tribe like there will be your chosen family there will mm-hmm. be people who will support you and to love you and to lift you up uh-huh. so when you started getting into the ball scene or when you were introduced to the ball scene did you did you join a house did you walk no no i'm not, I'm not part of the community at okay. all okay no no i have reverence for the community yeah. you just had love. an awareness of it i just knew so, that it existed yeah, because yeah. I, I mean it's a subculture and not very many people know about it and i think you know Another reason for wanting to create this show and to give this community shine is that for so long, the community has been colonized and then appropriated, right? Mm-hmm. So, so many people have lifted from ballroom, you know, and you see the influence of the ballroom community in fashion, in music, in dance. I mean, you look at artists like Beyonce and Lady Gaga, and, you know, you can see exactly where the influence has come from. Um, And it's happened so often without any acknowledgement. And so I think, you know, there's been a, a, we have a rich history of queer and trans erasure. And so I think Pose was an opportunity for us to say, no, no, this is where all of this comes from. You know, so for folks who like to use terms like reading and shade, you know, everyone who's now wanting to use voguing in their choreography, it's important to say, hey, this is where that comes from. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, so, but in between coming out and meeting Hans and I guess even before your, your year of, um, 
Tinder <laughs> action. <laughs> Tinder <laughs> madness. Um, were there any significant relationships? Uh, I think it depends on how we're defining significant. <laughs> <laughs> significant to you? Uh, sure. And no. Okay. <laughs> Not really. I mean, I mean, there was a lot of development. You know, mm-hmm. like I, I had to grow up. Yeah. You know, I think that um, to be honest, I was I was very noncommittal in my twenties. And I used everything but the kitchen sink as an excuse to not be in a long-term relationship, even though it's outwardly what I kept saying I wanted. Yeah. You know, and then I went through a period in my late 20s where I was like, ugh, whatever. About I was so blasé about love and I was, you know, throwing out this bullshit about not wanting to be married and not caring about, you know, any long-term relationship and, and having a significant other. And When in reality, it's just that I was afraid to be committed. You know, I was afraid to be locked down because I had spent so much time working on creating this version of myself that was strong and independent and, you know, really ambitious. And I just felt like, oh, if I'm in a committed relationship, that version of me is going to go away, you yeah. know? And I had enough friends at that point, like in my late twenties and early thirties who were already dealing with divorce and, you know, partners who were cheating. And, it, you know, like I, I just, I was seeing the other side of the relationship, you know, it was like, when the rom-com ends, you know, and it yeah, cuts yeah. to black, it's like, well, what happens after that? Yeah. <laughs> and so I had a front row seat through my friends and I was like, yeah, I don't know that I really want that. And I was just, I was afraid of going from an I and a me to a we and a us, yeah. to be perfectly honest. So I was like, oh, I don't know that that's for me. Um, Does that and, mean there's like a string of brokenhearted guys on both coasts who? <laughs> I, I think so. I definitely, yeah. you know, burned a lot of bridges if I'm being honest. Yeah. I think that, there were quite a few, I can think of two in particular who were really invested um, and all in. And I just was like, yeah, I don't know. And, you know, to be honest, it was shitty that I just sort of strung them along. and was like, yeah, we'll keep going on dates. We'll keep hanging out. and But it's never going to be anything more than that, you know. And And at a certain point, I think I finally stopped. I stopped hooking up with those people because I think then I realized like, oh, if you – if you have the emotions and then you add the physical, like then it really does just feel like a relationship and that's not fair. So, um, yeah. Did you ever have to, or feel the need to like go sort of make amends with any of those people after you'd done some growing up? I haven't, no, (laughs) no, but now that you're saying that, (laughs) (laughs) and it's not a recommendation, make a little, make a note for myself real, real quick. Um, no, I haven't, but I w- I've been the recipient of that, of an apology. Somebody who, who, who hurt you. Yeah, someone who, like a former, hopefully he's not listening, um, of, and, some, and we're still friends, but someone that I was very, very, very close to um, who really was sort of my first everything, you know, with, with mm-hmm. a guy. And um, I, my expectations were just really high. Yeah. Partly, I think, because it's just that, you know, the gay virgin thing of like, oh, now we're in love. and mm-hmm. um, But we were both in like very interesting places in our own identities, you know, and it's like we just weren't at a place where we could commit to one another in that way. A and B, I don't I also don't know now, you know, at 30 
going on 38. I don't know that we were compatible. Like, I think in your early 20s, late teens, early 20s, like, you think anyone that you meet, that you have any type of, you know, connection to on the most minute level, that that's the person that could be your soulmate. And in reality, that's not the case. Um, But it was great because a few years ago he was here in L.A. and we got together for drinks and he was like, I just wanted to let you know that, like, that was a really important time in my life. And I really will always have love for you for that. And so that that meant a lot to me because it wasn't something that I even knew I needed yeah. until it happened. It's like, oh, that's that's great. And so I felt a, a huge weight lift off of me after that, which was yeah. interesting because I didn't realize I was still walking around with baggage. Yeah. Those first relationships, you have so much buildup, mm-hmm. you know, like there's just so much emotional agitation, you know, and then you throw it all at one person who and, may yeah. or may not be the right person and is almost always not. Yeah, no, always. Yeah. <laughs> always. Yeah. <laughs> I I just acted out so much drama in those early relationships that some of them were just that I was like uh, drinking way too much and that certainly adds a level of drama mm. too, but I think it was also that there was no the real drama of life wasn't happening. You know what I mean? The, the 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 actual stuff I wanted in life wasn't happening, so right. I just sort of like did it all. Well, and I think what you're saying is I is common shouldn't generalize, but is commonplace for young LGBT people. You know, it's like our, like, and again, going back to representations and what we see in film and TV, it's like our experience is not normalized, mm-hmm. right? So I think about, I don't know why this is the first thing that popped in my head, but I think about someone like Sam Smith, for example, who is out and making his music about being lonely and being brokenhearted and finding love as like a young gay man and how great that'll be for other kids whether they're out or not to listen to that song and to hear what he's saying and to know that he's talking about a man when he says it yeah and to feel like oh i know exactly what that feels like you know and not trying to fit you know a round peg in a square hole yeah you know i think that's often what happens is like i like i remember growing up and you know, especially in my 20s, in those like formative years when you are going on dates and sometimes you meet people who you like and then they're like, yeah, this is not really for me. You know, and it's like, I'm going to go listen to, you know, Mariah. You know, I'm going to go play, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go play Whitney and cry myself to sleep. And it's like, yeah, that's great. And that's, that's wonderful. And I love both of them. But ultimately, like, it's nice to know that there's someone who is actually reflecting your experience back. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what does the, oh, I know what I wanted to ask you about, um, Hans. So it's been two and a half years, you said. Mm -hmm. So that means he's been fully on the ride of pose with you since before it started. I met him three weeks after my first staffing experience. Oh, wow. And has it, um, has it been a challenge having such a, an enormous life change happen you know, during the formative years of a relationship? Yeah, it's been real interesting, to <laughs> say the least. Um, but you're still together. So. Yeah, we're, we're making it through. I mean, I, the, well, that's one of the motivations for us to move in together. You know, I was living in, I was living on the west side, not too far from Westwood, and he was here in, like, the Silver Lake area. And it felt like a long-distance relationship. Yeah. You know, it's after a long day of work, you're driving, like sometimes it would take an hour and a half for me to get from my place to his, you know, and it was like, oh, something's got to give. Like this commute is just not working. Um, 
And so I get why, you know, some folks will say, like, I'm only going to date people who live in my neighborhood. It's like, oh, I get it. I get why in L.A. that happens. Um, you know, and then the other tough part is, like, in the last couple months since we've been in production, I've been in primarily in New York. And so we've had a lot of space between yeah. us. You know, like, there's just been a lot of distance. And so the great thing on what it's done, though, is that it's really forced us to prioritize one another and to really think about how are we spending the time that we do have together? So making sure that it's not about the quantity, it's really about the quality. Yeah. And so that's been great. I think it's just, it's forced us to reevaluate the time that we spend together and not take for granted the fact that we are living with one another. Because I think sometimes that also happens. Like, well, I see you every day, so it doesn't really matter. Like, we don't have to spend time together. Mm -hmm. And, like, we still make sure that we have date nights on either Friday or Saturday. And so, you know, it's... I think it's strengthened our relationship, to be honest. Yeah. What's a what's a typical date night? Oh, I'm, well, it depends on who's planning it. I'm super boring. So I'm like, let's go to the Arclight. <laughs> yep. Go see a movie. Then we'll drive up to Casa Vega, um, which I love. And we'll have Mexican and some drinks. And then we'll go home. And then we'll watch, like, Netflix or something. Well, Netflix and chill. <laughs> uh-huh. Love <laughs> it. Dream date night to me. I'm, I'm real boring like that. Um, he... He loves the outdoors, and he, as an artist, like, he loves, I mean, we both do, but we love museums. So, like, right before I flew back to New York about a week and a half ago to end production, um, we woke up at, like, 8 in the morning, and he was like, hey, I found a new hike trail. So we went for a hike, which was great. Um, And then in our sweaty selves, we drove a little further east, and we went to this great dim sum place. And we had some dim sum, and then we went to, where did we go after that? We drove to the Hammer, because they have a wonderful exhibit right now called Made in L.A., and Hans has a couple of friends who have pieces in that. And so we went and we spent the afternoon at the Hammer Museum, and then we came home and we, what did we watch? We watched Vida on Stars by Tanya Siracho. And so it was great, and that's, that's like a pretty typical date day for us these are good these are structured yeah <laughs> these have chapters we're we're taking in art yeah we're we're, we're we're also you know seeing great content we're challenging ourselves mm-hmm. physically we're going to different neighborhoods of los angeles exactly right. which you know <laughs> depending it's, on time of day could be annoying sure sure i'm so glad you got out of westwood by the way that feels same that feels wrong i want i want an east side life for you no mm-hmm. i agree and like i was living in this beautiful home on the west side with two of my friends who also were uh, graduate students in the screenwriting program at UCLA. Um, and we lived together for five years, and um, and they're both writers as well. Um, and my friend Kylie, who is a, a writer on Grey's Anatomy, we both, we always joke around that we have this super codependent relationship because we live, literally live five minutes away from each other here in Los Feliz. Oh, wow. So everyone's like, oh, it's just sad that you all don't live together anymore. We're like, no, because we live right around the corner from each yeah, other. Yeah. <laughs> we see each other all the time. Borrowing sugar all the day long. Um, my final question is extremely important, and it is what's James Vanderbeek like? Oh, God. Yes. The loveliest person okay. you will ever okay. yeah. meet. <laughs> yeah, okay. That tracks. Yeah, the entire cast, but mm-hmm. James is just joy and light, and I just genuinely love him. Like he is fantastic. Like he's just so so grounded and unaffected by all of this. Like you just you never know what you're gonna get mm-hmm. when you meet yeah celebrities and and particularly actors. And I don't know. Like he's just he's so good. 
He's he really a good is. actor. Like he's so, and I don't mean just on Pose. Like just in general. Like that's why we cast him. Like he's just such a great actor. He's so talented, um, and he can do comedy and he can do drama. And but it's just such a. He's a family man. He just had his fifth baby. Oh, oh wow! Believe me, I watched um, on his uh, Instagram story. Yes, his wife Kimberly is a rock star, and and they're just they are. They're just so in love, and they love their family and their kids. And he's he's lovely. Like he's just the nicest sometimes that can be a pejorative to say someone's someone's nice someone's kind yeah. but he genuinely is just a nice kind person mm-hmm. okay. dave had That's one um artistic note i think for you for season two which is that he wanted to see more short sleeve shirts yeah. on Vanderbeek. that yeah. was his okay yeah, can we have him just in t-shirts yeah. noted okay okay <laughs> good. good he just Thanks. wants those forearms out Sorry. there yeah, yeah 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 put them out there put them out there they're <laughs> they're an american treasure um category is stephen canals and abundance, and just gratitude yeah, for being thank here, you. Thank for you doing for this. Me. Yeah, this was so much fun. Oh my god, I'm so excited to see the rest of the season. Yeah, congratulations. And, um, thank you. Yeah, I love the show and love what you're doing. And just thank you. Thank you. See you at Casa Vega. Heyo. <laughs> Stephen Canals, genius, wow. genius. Icon, living his best life. And uh, Sweetheart Baby Doll. Sweetheart Baby Doll, encouraging us to live our best life. Yes. Through the medium of television and enamel pins. I love him. I'm so glad that we now, we have an email chain with him. Not to brag, we all exchange numbers. Let's brag. To have friendship and fellowship with him. Are you afraid to use it? Because I am. Uh, no, I'm going to use, I'm going to do a bold reply all right now. (gasps) Great. Start some inside jokes. Oh, I love it. I love it. He's so great. Thank you, Stephen, for coming. Everybody should watch Pose. I'm sure you already are. Yep. Yep. Um, There's a wheezing dog in the background. Pay her no mind. Choked on her water. <laughs> um, thank you to Ben Wise for the music and ben Dana Wise. over here and Colin over there and uh-huh. everybody at Earwolf. Uh, your dog with her head in my lap. Thank you, Fepe. Mm-hmm. Matt, thank you. Thank you, Dave. Listener. We love you. Love yourselves this July 4th weekend. Right. Long week. And watch Nanette. Yep. Hey, this is Arnie Niekamp from the Improv Fantasy Podcast, Hello from the Magic Tavern. I fell through a dimensional portal behind a Burger King in Chicago into the magical land of Foon, and I started a podcast. Season 3 has just begun with a brand new adventure to defeat the Dark Lord. If you're a new listener or you've fallen behind, Season 3 is a great jumping on point, and we've got great guests like Justin McElroy. I sound like a fancy college professor. Eight nuts. <laughs> Rachel Bloom. You all see my collection of men corpses and one woman. Felicia Day and Colton Dunn. You've seen me have intercourse with a variety of species. It's a bummer. Andy Daly. You have the members of Genesis listed, but Phil Collins has crossed out and then circled and crossed out again. Uh, Yes, I have killed Phil Collins twice. Thomas Middleditch. (laughs) Jesus. I mean, Jazos. (laughs) Ruler of the Eighth Circle. And that's just the beginning. Season three of Hello from the Magic Tavern is out now. Listen in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.